0: Welcome back to the Anything Goes with Jackson Neal podcast here on Saturday, April 21st, 2018. Releasing this on a Saturday because currently Anything Goes with Jackson Neal is going to be on hiatus until May 22nd. So until then, no Anything Goes, but stick, stay, stay tuned right here on the Jackson Neal SoundCloud page as the Jackson Neal Sports and Music Podcast will, will be updated throughout each and every week. I'm going to put more quality into them as I take a break from anything goes for a little while. But first, before the hiatus starts, I want to get in two really great interviews that I did recently with two rappers. First one is Spose, a guy who has been around a block for a while now from Maine. He's a really awesome musician, has his own podcast. Really fun talking with him, so that interview is really awesome to do. And then another guy who was passed along to me, Amir Tripp. Young up-and-comer coming out of Chicago. His debut, Pyro, is a must-listen for any hip-hop fan. It's really awesome. He's a name you better get familiar with because he's doing really cool things musically and outside of his music as well. I talked to him about all that and more. So first up, I'm talking to Spose about everything that's going on with him, including his podcast. So I just want to start off, what are you currently working on? Uh,
1: good question. Um... <laughs> Well, I was supposed to take the year off. I was just going to chill, you know, but I'm incapable of that. So I've made a ton of songs and I'm trying to figure out the proper way to release them. um, But I'm basically just working on the next chapter in the evolution of Spose and trying to go, you know, somewhere, just trying to not make any music like the music I've made before, basically.
0: Mm -hmm. Why did you want to take a year off?
1: Um because i guess i had the luxury and i i think i was you know i had a really good year last year and i figured you know if i'm gonna it, i have a couple other business ideas too i kind of wanted to focus on um you know i was trying to trying to start a couple other businesses which i which i'm working on but i really just realized i'm incapable of taking time off from music because i just can't stop making it really
0: yeah <laughs> That's something I've heard from a couple artists before when they said they want to take a break, and then before they know it, the recording song's on vacation or something like that. Many people just can't shut I mean, that literally,
1: off. Literally, yeah, literally. I mean, the second of January, I was in the studio. You know, it was <laughs> like a, obviously, I own my own, you know, spot, but I was in there the second of January, I made a song after you know saying I was going to take you know a while off. I'm still taking the year off from live performance just because. Um, you know, I ended up uh, with four children, and it's just never, I have never really have enjoyed being on tour, even if the tour goes successfully, you know, as far as, like, financially, it just doesn't, like, satisfy me still, because I'm away from home, and I feel like a, you know, jerk, so i uh taken the year off from live performance, but I still can't stay out of the studio, I'm just addicted to making music, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, especially especially in your career, that's not a bad thing. <laughs>
1: No, I mean, yeah, it's good. it's a it's a good i mean i can't I can't overstate how thankful I am to like like my job. I was just thinking the other day about how there's no greater feeling than leaving a job when you hate your job as far oh, as like yeah. you get out of work for the day, like that's the best feeling in the world. It's like, oh, I'm out of work, you know, but for me i i the best or the closest I can get is my job, you know because I don't enjoy leaving.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah, like, you know, I used to work, like, in a restaurant as a busboy, and, like, every day, like, counting down the minutes, looking at the clock, can't, when can I get out, when can I get out, when can I get out? It's not the case anymore. Dude, absolute, absolute same. Yeah,
1: yeah, you like your job now?
0: Yeah, I do, I do this a lot, yeah.
1: Yeah, I I waited, you know, for me, it was like, I came from, like you're saying, busing tables, waiting tables, working in the kitchen, you know, I worked at a hardware store, I worked at the, you know, I was really young, I worked at the movie theater, it's like, I just could not wait to get out of work. It's the best feeling. Changing into your regular clothes mm-hmm. is like the greatest feeling in the world. So, yeah, I, I I won't say I miss working for other people, but um, you know, sometimes that, that is, you know, I guess the, the trade off is that I actually enjoy being at work.
0: Mhm. Yeah. Exactly. Um. Another thing I saw that you do is you have your own podcast. How did this all get started?
1: Um, Good question. I've I've always wanted to do a podcast primarily because, you know, A, I'm curious about other people's success and how they achieved it. I'm just generally, you know, I, even like in high school, I worked for, I was like the editor of our high school newspaper because I just, you know, I was writing the articles and laying out the pages and taking the pictures because I'm just intrigued by the stories and I liked interviewing people and so I've always wanted to do a podcast for that reason, but the main reason is is that in 2018, man, it's like all these ways to showcase your personality, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, they're all like problematic in a way and incomplete. You know, like I don't really feel like they show the real, like Twitter is like where you go to post, you know, your hot, your angry opinion, you know, or interact with the fans, which is cool. But like that doesn't give you the full picture. And then Facebook's basically baiting people into arguing, in the comments you know for maximum reaction and then instagram is just visual advertising so for me a podcast is like the most authentic way to not only like promote myself but also just to put the real me out there you know it's like this is really me um and i started it in november um and i've just i just put out my 20th episode yesterday and um i just really love doing it man i love talking i love I love interviewing people. I just want to know, you know. I got questions, and um, I really hope to keep working at it until I get to interview, you know, Kanye, and uh, and um, I'll even interview Trump. I'll interview anybody, man.
0: Yeah. As, hey, if you get that, if you get that interview, that that'd be a really, really big one. I, I don't, I wouldn't turn that one down personally either. If no matter how big they are, I'll take it.
1: You know what I'm saying? Like I feel like you could it'd be pretty easy to get a news, you know, because the the best. The best interview is the interview that becomes like a viral news story, and you
0: know Trump's going to say something crazy. Come on the podcast, bro. Yeah, just just say a little, just say something, and we'll, we'll let you on, basically.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, um, you know, man, I just feel like um, I really desire to have my real personality out there instead of like the approximated text version of it on Twitter, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could totally understand that. Like, I you know I, I have a Twitter and Instagram and stuff, and it's like it's just hard to to really portray everything about you over those. Whereas it's like a, a medium like a radio show or a podcast, you really can get a lot more of yourself out there.
1: A hundred percent, man. And I really, um, it really is satisfying to me in a way to have my version of the story out there. You know, or like my my real personality out there, which I think is, you know, I think that's one of my tools going forward is like, you know, I I'm 32. Like I've been doing, you know, it was almost 10 years ago. I signed like a big record deal. Like I'm, I'm not unrealistic about reality. You know, it's like, there's, there's an expiration date on, you know, um, suburban white rap dad, but I don't know if there's ever an expiration date on like good conversation or, you know, just being brutally honest with people and just like being authentic, you know, I, I feel like that's forever.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, I just, this is something I noticed is that, you know, you, you interview, I saw you interview a lot of musicians. What's it like to be a musician yourself and then switch over and be on the interview side? Oh, it's great. Well, I think I
1: offer, I think being a musician myself lends itself to me really just coming at it with like I feel like I have good questions because, like, I relate to the, you know, how did you, okay, how'd you do this? Okay, I know you know this person. How'd you meet that person? And I just am really intrigued by people's different methods and their origin stories. And, like, you know, I, in addition to musicians, I really just like to talk to entrepreneurs. I interviewed these, um, these guys who run this, you know, they run 16 record stores in New England where I live. And I, you know, and, and they just keep opening new record stores This Bull Moose Music. And I, I, I just couldn't wait to ask them how, how, when all the other record stores are shutting down, how are you guys? All? You know, I just have authentic questions for these people. And I've been, I feel like I've gained a lot of knowledge. There might be some nuggets or some gems for prospective musicians. or just curious entrepreneurs or anybody in the podcast, just because like I come at it from that perspective of an entrepreneur, of a musician. So it's like I got. I don't want to waste my time with BS questions about like, you know, so tell me about your new album. You know, it's like, I got, I'm trying to get to like the root of it, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. like That's, that's the one thing i always like to try to do in an interview is like, you know, those people get asked the same questions over and over and over again. What's the, what's the thing that they want to talk about? What's the thing that they can tell you that they've told no one else? That's the thing I always like about interviewing. Great. Yeah. Great point, man. I, one of my, I don't, you know, I could probably learn a
1: thing or two from you. I'm just kind of getting started, but I, One thing I've found is um, before I interview somebody, I always make sure to like scroll back through their Twitter for like a week and see what, uh, you know, or maybe longer or whatever to see. Because you kind of only tweet what you're passionate about, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like you could kind of see where where someone's like passions and what pisses them off and like what gets them excited. And like even what they retweet is like a great indicator of like, okay, this person clearly is passionate about this. So let me bring that up. And maybe we can expound upon that, or we can hear, you know, a, a, the the take genuinely from this. Because I find if you get somebody excited about something,
0: it usually makes for good podcast. Exactly. I I've never done that one before. That's an awesome idea. Maybe maybe I have a few things to learn from you. <laughs> All right, man. All right. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm sure I'm happy to happy to reveal my tricks. So.
0: <laughs> exactly. So um, I saw that you know you interview entrepreneurs. You, like you said, in addition to the musicians, um a lot of them are from Maine, the musicians, for someone not from there, what would you, how would you describe the music scene or hip hop scene in Maine? Yeah. Um, well, so a lot, you know, I'm, I'm maybe the most
1: famous, um, rap musician from Maine, you know, and, uh, I think, to use me as the tip of the iceberg but lure people in and you know if you're if you're a fan of me now you know you're listening to the podcast i can educate you on how i got here you know what artists i knew growing up and what you know um the history of not only like rap music but you know i grew up i grew up in the 90s you know in the early 2000s so you know alternative rock music was like a big piece of my life so i love to interview and talk to you know, rock musicians and, and just kind of like, and I think one of the main like services it offers is like, just to show the future generation, like the kids coming up now, like here's the blueprint of how it was done. Here's how we all messed up. Like, here's what we did wrong when we signed to a major label. Here's what you could learn, you know? And um, I think, you know, for anybody not from Maine uh, we really have like a disproportionate amount of great musicians there's no shortage of like great singers great saxophone players solid rappers producers drummers guitarists rock singers but the problem is is that there's really no like music industry up here to convert that out of out of like you know there's not like a great songwriting community so much as there's like a a million great players who can go play like the pink floyd album or the lady gaga covers show you know, and so I'm really trying to highlight the people who've really done it and really gone for it out yep. of Maine and, like, what did they learn? Where did we fail? You know, and also talking to the next next generation coming up because it's, like, I got as much to learn from them as they do from me, maybe, you know, as, like, a OG.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, Because, you know, you're up there and you're obviously very north up there and um, removed a lot from the music industry, maybe down here, like, New York. Definitely removed from L.A. yeah how much do you think, like, the internet, I guess would say you would say, how much do you think the internet has helped people in these places where traditionally aren't music hotbeds maybe get discovered or have a better chance at that?
1: I mean, I don't think, I think significantly. You know, I, it's affected the people not only in Maine, but if you're in, I don't know, like, some town in northern Sweden, you know, it's like the internet, has homogenized everything to where like you're all you know it's made everybody connected to the point where like all you need is wi-fi and electrical outlet and you can go from nothing to the biggest artist in the world you know basically what it made and that did not used to exist this is why you know 90 percent of the time when someone tells me they're moving from maine or they're moving from wherever they live to new york city or they're moving to la my first question is why you know, like, I understand, like, the idea of going to make connections and be where things are happening, and for some people, that is the look. Like, if, you know, I know certain artists who succeeded that, but I think you're almost better off staying where you're from, staying true to where you're from, being unique because of that, and that will help you stand out, and we're all, we're all, you know, Spotify is just as close to Maine as it is to Los Angeles, you know, like, uh iTunes is no closer to New York City than it is to, you know, a random town in Montana. So, you know, if you could get great stuff out there, it can be heard. I mean, I was able to sign a major label deal, you know, with Republic Records, which is home to, I don't know, The Weeknd. And, you know, I think they even have a deal with Young Money. So they do Drake and Nicki Minaj and all that stuff. And I was able to sign a deal with them because my, you know, because my song was on the Internet and they were able to find me. You know, and that's what it is. is—is like, make them come to you. And also, I feel like it's way harder to stand out and be recognized in New York City and Los Angeles compared to you could probably become the king, the music king of Boise, Idaho, much faster and get noticed, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really awesome perspective. I never really thought of it like that in, in the a- aspect that, you know, almost don't really move to the places. Like now, you can just kind of be your own unique self in different spots. I was talking to this one rapper, Greaves, a little while ago, and um, he went over to, I think it was Amsterdam, to record his one album, and it was an awesome project that was completely different than anything he had ever done before. He's from Minnesota, and he remember, I remember him telling me that it was because he was in this different place where there wasn't as much, I guess, going on, that he was able to get this new sound, so I guess, you know, if you go to the New Yorks, to the Los Angeleses, you might just end up sounding like everyone else. Which I think is a detriment, man. I really do. I think, um, but time
1: out, uh, I love Greaves. And uh, me and him did a song together recently. If you look it up, it's called Take You Home. Um, And what a great guy and what a great talent. Um, Not only as a producer, or not only as a rapper, but also as a producer. And just, you know, somebody who's built a career out of this being super authentic to who he is. Um, But yeah, man, I, I think it speaks to, that's why, you know, even when I was like, signed to a major label and flying out to los angeles to like record songs i could not wait to get back to maine and just be with the people i that i'm supposed to represent you know it's like how can i really represent the the place i'm from if i'm not there you know and uh i think i think a hundred thousand you know there's hundreds tens of thousands of people who can tell the new york story um and only you know a few of them will do it really fantastically but and uniquely but there's not so many people who can tell my story and I think that I try to look at that as an advantage rather than something that holds me back, you mm-hmm. know?
0: Yeah, definitely. And also, um, if you've always been inspired growing up to be an artist and you're from this one place, why would you want to leave where that inspiration has always been for you, I guess, is another aspect of that argument.
1: hundred percent. And that also, like, that ties into something even even bigger. For, just like, you, it's like the only, um, like when people sign a deal, you know, they sign like a major label deal for me. It was like, all right, now I'm in, now they're putting me in all these places that I'm uncomfortable and I'm not myself. And I'm not, but what I didn't realize at the time is I, I had the leverage and I should have just been like, no, I'm going to record it all here, you know, where I'm comfortable, you know, be, be where you're from. And I think it's almost like if you got called up to the NBA, you know, or you got drafted in the NBA and you're like, all right, I'm going to change everything now. It's like, no, stick to what got you here. Mm-hmm. you
0: know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you even hear the biggest artists in the world, like whether it's someone like Drake going back to Toronto to record in a hotel or yeah, or a hotel room or something like that is even the biggest artists, they always could do that. They always go back to where they're from. They always record music where they're comfortable because that they realize that's when they're at their best.
1: Yeah, it's, you're absolutely right. I mean, for me, and for me, that's Maine, you know, this is where I, this is where I find,
0: Mm -hmm. well that's that's really awesome and i just want to leave this off going forward now what are some of your plans for this year
1: um well i uh let's see i'm i said i was taking the year off from live performance but i'd really like to get out on the road um later in the fall um just because i'm going to be releasing some music um and i mean with music changing so frequently with streaming and you know for example you see a Nicki Minaj release two songs at a time or a Drake release two songs or you know the Weeknd's album is only seven songs it's like the trend of the music industry is toward not so much albums but just smaller nuggets of content because people have such short attention spans so you know like every other artist in 2018 I'm trying to weather this and also take it in and and not only see what I can apply to my own game, but just like, okay, well, what could I do that's different? You know, what could I do that's unique and would help stand out? Because it's really, you know, that's really the battle is like, you can make all the great music, you know, you can make great music. There's a lot of people making great music, but how do you make someone care that you're making great music, you know? And so just working on that myself and um, trying to write, you know, the best music of my life. And so my plan is to put that out and also to continue doing stuff nobody's ever done before you know marketing wise you know last year i released as far as i know the first artist ever to release um an album locked inside of a video game you know inside of an app i made this app suppose the king of maine you can go get it for free and you know just trying to continue doing ideas like that and pushing the envelope and taking big risks and trying things nobody else is doing
0: a big thank you to Spose for coming on to the show. He was really awesome to talk with. Remember, go check out his podcast. That's what I really like to listen to. And if you like listening to my interviews, I bet you'll love listening to his. He's an awesome guy. Next up now is Amir Trip discussing his latest project, Pyro. In fact, it is his debut project. So go check that out right now. But before you do, listen to this interview where you discuss Pyro and much more. All right. So how long did you work on your debut, Pyro? Uh, a lifetime,
2: no.
0: Uh, let me see. I've probably been working, i worked on
2: Pyro for like maybe seven to eight months. All
0: right. Why did you choose that name for the album?
2: Um, honestly, the, the simplicity of it because, uh, I don't know, I kind of was, I was in between names and uh, I just kind of just played all the songs I had so far. And I was just like, man, this shit's fire. <laughs> and that's basically how I came up with the name.
0: Well, I was listening to the album, and I thought that was the, that was the reason, because I I really enjoyed it.
2: Oh, really, man, that's dope, man. I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, so when I was listening to it, I seemed, I, I seemed to pick up on there was a lot of stories throughout the project. Are these based off your personal experience?
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I try to always speak truthfully in my music so like if i'm speaking on any like uh event or experience it's something that i went through personally or someone around me has went through so yeah i would say
0: what what in particular oh i was just gonna ask what was one story that you know that being this uh your debut what was one story you really wanted to tell audiences to give an introduction to yourself
2: yeah i really wanted to let people know my um my process to getting the music made so to speak so because I was uh, I initially started out as a intern in a studio just an engineer and that's how I used that in exchange to get my recording time to, to record the project so I would basically in between every session I would if there was even like a 15 or like a five minute window I would be recording and that's basically how pyro came about it's just me using my my uh internship to basically record my music in uh in a downtime
0: well that's definitely an awesome story i mean i could not tell when i listened to this it sounded like a project that you definitely took your time on that you definitely you know put a lot of effort into that i would not have been able to tell you recorded some of it on in five minute breaks between an internship
2: (laughs) yeah that's actually yeah pretty accurate probably some of the Some of the biggest songs, like, uh, the song I did, Hardball, I think I recorded in, like, a 20-minute window in between
0: sessions I had, Did and I
2: probably made the beat in, like, a 10-minute window in a session earlier that day, yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. Did anybody ever walk in on you while you were recording and wondering, what's the intern doing here?
2: (laughs) No, at, at first, because, uh, they weren't too familiar with my music, but, like, uh, that story is kind of explaining the uh I have an interlude on the project it's called Will's interlude was basically the guy who gave me the internship who first gave me an opportunity to uh to uh make music he uh he's kind of telling he's kind of telling the story of how he he wasn't really looking for me to be a rapper he just needed an engineer at the time so my music was kind of like not really taken seriously i think it got to a certain point where he walked in and he was hearing some of the records I was creating and he was like, oh shit, like, damn, you got it. Like, you're <laughs> actually pretty talented.
0: Mm-hmm. Are you, do you still, are you still an engineer over there or have you just transitioned to just being a rapper?
2: Uh, yeah, i kind of more so transitioned to being a rapper. Um, I'm still really hands-on as far as my own music. So, like, uh, like all the, the engineering that I've done has only made me a, a better musician because now I can I can I can speak the language of music so to speak and like a lot of a lot of hip-hop artists just a lot of artists in general who just come in just trying to make uh, like songwriting and just making songs they don't really understand like how to articulate what they want in their music so I guess it's easier for me to speak to an engineer you know mm-hmm. instead of like Telling the engineer, yo, I want a telephone effect on my voice. I can be like, yo, I want a, a reverb with a with a little delay and then <laughs> EQ the low ends of my vocals. You know what I'm saying? I could actually articulate it.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I understand that you you handle a lot of the production yourself along with Zayrock. So this is why you, you yeah. just like to be involved in every aspect of your music?
2: Yeah, definitely. I I just like being hands-on. I, I, everything is... uh. Everything is, is is planned, you know what I'm saying, so to speak. I always have an, an idea exactly how I want it in my head. and they, The creative process is me trying to recreate the sound I hear in my head, basically.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've noticed that the most talented musicians I've ever talked to, they always, you know, whether they're in front of the mic, they always seem to transition or at least do a lot of their own production. Because I feel like when an artist is able to do the production as well as be in front of the microphone, you get that synergy really on the track that you don't get if it's almost if it's always two separate people.
2: Yeah, definitely, I agree. Uh, some of my, you most of my favorite artists uh, produce their own music. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So, I understand that you also have a comic book to go along with this release. How did that come about? <laughs>
2: well, honestly, um, out the the name is also. Pyro is also influenced by an an X-Men character. He's like an anti-hero. His name was Pyro. And um, so it was kind of already, we was already kind of circulating around that theme, so to speak. And then um, once uh, my artist, the illustrator, his name is Makai, he did uh, the illustration for each song. He did artwork for each one to kind of form a storyboard. So we already had a storyboard, with images and uh, descriptions for each image. So I just figured we'd take it to the next step and uh, make comic books. I don't know. It's like...
0: Well, I mean, if it's... I had an
2: Yeah, what were you about to say? I
0: was just going to say, it's definitely unique. I've never seen anyone else do it, but I got to say, I was, really, I was really intrigued by it. I thought it was cool.
2: Oh, man, that's dope, man. Uh, yeah, I'm just trying to... Uh, as far as... I feel like every every rapper now is kind of forced to be in that like where you obviously have to have live off merch and show and touring and stuff like that so you have to come up with creative merch and i feel like most rappers just take the easy lane just making like a t-shirt or, or something like you know what i'm saying or a hat something in regards to fashion and i'm not really the most like, like i like clothes and stuff but i'm not like super into fashion like that like I don't have any aspirations to to do what Kanye is doing, anything like that. You know, mm-hmm. I have as far as, far as uh, how I wanted to. I don't know. I just wanted to take a different route as far as uh, merchandising goes. I mm-hmm. thought comic book would be a good idea.
0: I could totally understand that. Yeah, um, I never really knew what Prada, Gucci, or any one of those brands were before I listened to Kanye West. He he's really into that kind of You're stuff. Right. <laughs> But I mean, yeah, know, yeah, yeah, definitely. But if I go to a show and I see that a rapper has a comic book out there, I'm definitely taking notice and I'm definitely walking over to that stand and seeing what's going on, you know, maybe, and definitely picking one up myself. So I like that idea. It's, it's unique. And I feel like, like you said, all these other people with these merch, it's like the same thing, a t shirt with their name on it. If you can kind of throw something else yeah. in there, I think that's, that's, re- that'll be really where you stand out. Oh, man. Thanks, man.
2: Yeah, yeah definitely. I actually, um, I was just reading an article, so we got the comic books pressed today, I just got them this morning, and uh, so we've been working on them for some weeks now, but I just read an article that The weekend is doing uh, a comic book for his album, Starboy, that he did with uh, Daft Punk, and I was just like, damn, that's crazy. I kind was of
0: thinking of it, along the same room. Yeah, maybe, maybe he stole your idea there.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was wondering. <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah, I'm not going to say that on record, but... <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Possibility.
0: <laughs> so, um So, on this project, I noticed that you have two really good features with Saba and King Louis. Um, how, Why did you want it to be, I guess, like not that feature heavy? Because a lot of projects now, I notice, there's a lot of features on that. Why did you want it to be mostly yourself?
2: Yeah, as my debut project, I, I just wanted to... If you, if you listen to the project, you know, No Two Beats, sound alike and none none of my really my flows or cadences sound alike on each song. So I was really trying to show everyone showcase my versatility. You know, showing that I can do any type of record. And I feel like for you to do that you have to take a leap and and really showcase your own talent and don't really rely on like cosigns and features and shit like that. You know what I'm saying? Most people I think the route to success is, is a bunch of cosigns and like a bunch of people just hopping on their records and paying for features. That that's just not how I envision it. Like everything that we did came natural. Like uh King Louis was on that record because when I first made that record I was like, damn I can really hear King Louis on this and this Saba record came along we were just in the studio and just he was going through my beats. because me and Saba kind of grew up uh, right around each other actually in the same uh, Austin neighborhood of the West side. So like once we hit the studio, he was just going through my beats. He picked one of my beats that I didn't even intend on rapping on. And that's how dark night came about. So it just, I just wanted everything to be organic. I wasn't really trying to force the sound in particular or, I just wanted to keep it about myself.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I could definitely pick up on the, you mentioned there, you know, almost each record not really being the same and not really catering to one exact sound. The one, the probably the biggest compliment I could have for this record was I, you know, I listen to a lot of different albums all the time, different debuts from different people. But this is one of the very few ones where I was listening to it. And I was just going around my house and I had to stop at certain points to make sure like I was listening to the same project in, at, at certain points. I, you know, I, lo- I loved the song because I was pressing like on my Apple Music constantly. And it just had this, each song really caught my attention in a different way. And I thought that was really unique about this project. Oh man, that's,
2: yeah, that's exactly what I was going for. It was not, no particular sound. I was just trying to reflect myself through the music as much as I can. Like, I, there was no part of me I wanted to leave out So to speak, like I like all types of music, and I want to really reflect that in the in the project. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, I think you certainly did. And now, following this release of your debut, what are some of your plans going forward?
2: Oh, just a whole lot of music, honestly. Uh, We're trying to get some visuals out there right now, and then obviously um, touring and and doing shows. We've been uh, getting contact from. from a lot of different people we're just trying to make the right decisions you know what i'm saying uh really uh, put myself on the, in the position where everything i'm doing is actually is, is being cohesive is uh i'm sorry i can't even think of the word. but, <laughs> but everything i'm doing is being con- conducive to my success like i'm not I'm not trying to take any steps back so i'm gonna be releasing a lot of music this year and then we plan on shooting, like, three or four visuals from Pyro alone.
0: Well, Amir, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really enjoyed this. You'll have to let me know when that when that um, comic book gets released because I'd love to purchase a copy. Thank you so much.
2: <laughs> Absolutely, man. Uh, I'm going uh, to have a camp you one over.
0: All right, sweet. Thank you so much. Have an awesome day. Yeah, you too, bro. Again, a big thanks to Amir for coming on to the show. Remember, check out Pyro right now. It's out on basically all streaming platforms. It's a must listen if you're a hip hop fan. Really, really great debut, and can't wait to see what he's going to be doing out on that Chicago scene. One of my favorite hip hop scenes in the country. That'll wrap it up for this edition of the Anything Goes with Jackson Neal podcast. As I mentioned earlier in the podcast, Anything Goes will be going on a hiatus. I will miss about five episodes, four or five episodes here until May 22nd. So until then, continue checking out the Jackson Neal SoundCloud page. On this page for me, I have my Jackson Neal Sports and Music podcast where three to four times a week, probably even more now during this hiatus, I'm going to be discussing the latest in, guess what, sports and music. So check those out as well. They come up, like I said, more than three three to four times a week right now. It's on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes as well. Also, in the meantime, maybe if you miss some episodes, miss some interviews, don't worry, check out all the Anything Goes With Jackson Neil podcast archives up on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes as well. In this hiatus, you'll have plenty of time to go catch up on all the episodes, all the interviews you missed up on, because trust me, there are some real, real gems in there. Uh, some of my favorites include my interviews with Lil' Zam, interview with Bacon, High Tone, um, and much more. There's too many to even name. So go check out all of those. There's some really, really great stuff in my archives. And with a couple-week hiatus, perfect time to check all those out. Also, follow me on Twitter, at JacksonNeil20. There I'll keep you updated as when my show is going to be coming back. May 22nd, is looking like right now on 107.9 FM WRML in southern New Jersey. Who's going to be on that first show? Other interviews I'm doing, other things I'm doing, because maybe in this time I I expand some other things, write a little more. Who knows? So follow me on Twitter, at JacksonNeil20, to keep up to date on all the latest things that I'm doing. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you guys all in May.